0: Buster Murdoch testifies for his father. The parents of Dylan Rounds believe that there'll be a break in their missing son's case soon. And the dumb criminal of the day. Let's talk about it. Good day, everyone. My name is Scott Reich, and this is Crime Talk. You know the drill. Subscribe if you haven't. Like if you do. Leave me a comment below. Hit that little bell for notifications. And remember, you can listen to us on any of your favorite podcasting apps just simply by searching Crime Talk with Scott Reich. Please go to crimetalksearch.com, sign up for a background subscription service. You'll be happy you did. If there's anyone out there you were ever curious about, what was in their background, now is the time to do it. If you're going to get involved with somebody, now is the time to do it. When you go to crimetalksearch.com, you put in the name, literally millions of public records are searched and a report is generated. It's going to give you a report. If they have multiple social media accounts, you're going to find it. If they have multiple phone numbers, multiple email addresses, it's going to be found. And more importantly, you're going to get information regarding criminal history. Hopefully, the person you're searching has none whatsoever. But if it's there, it's going to be found. You're going to get everything you'd want to know, whether you're going into business or whether you're going into a personal relationship, you're going to be able to find out the information you want to know. So go to crimetalksearch.com, sign up today. You'll be happy you did. All right. Thanks for supporting the people that support Crime Talk. All right, let's go ahead and open the docket for January 21st, 2023. First, the Alec Murdoch trial. That's right. That one, we've been watching it all day. I'm telling you, this is a whodunit and nobody, I think, really knows exactly how it's going to turn out. Lots of twists and turns. Do you think Alec um, Murdoch scored some points by putting his son up today? Well, let's see first what happened. First, Judge Clifton Newman turned his attention to the defense attorney early this morning, Jim Griffin, after announcing another juror would be replaced due to them succumbing to an illness. Now, a social media post that Griffin made over the weekend came to the judge's attention in his Twitter feed. Um, The The post in question was Griffin's tweet of a Washington Post article that criticized the sloppy sled investigation of Paul and Maggie Murdoch's murders. Now, Mr. Griffin, is this uh, part of your defense strategy? The judge asked, and uh, Mr. Griffin defended himself, noting he did not add any comments and only shared the article. The judge then cautioned Mr. Griffin to be careful with his social media activity Referencing a recent NBA suspension handed down after a player, Kyrie Irving, made such a post and uh, got suspended it cost him a lot of money. The judge kind of intimated that maybe it's a little unprofessional. So we also learned that another juror has fallen ill and must be replaced for at least the uh, remaining days. So juror number 441, who was an alternate juror, who earlier replaced juror number 220, is out according to the judge, and the court drew juror number 530 as the replacement. The court is now down to only two remaining alternates. The defense then called Alec Murdoch's surviving son, Buster, to the stand. Now, Alec Murdoch would uh, frequently—Buster testified that Alec Murdoch would frequently misplace his phone, and um, he also stated that in the state's case, which ended last Friday, the prosecutors described the Murdoch family as prolific cell phone users. They argued that it would be strange for Murdoch to go anywhere without his phone, casting suspicion on a period of roughly three hours on June 7th, 2021, that showed absolutely no phone activity. That span was from about 6 p.m. to 9 p.m., coincidentally uh, with the state's theorized time for the death of Maggie and Paul. Now, both of their phones actively ended about 8.50 p.m. on June 7th. And to undercut suspicions, prosecutors raised defense attorney Jim Griffin asked Buster if his father had his own phone with him everywhere at Moselle or if he misplaced it. Well, Buster testified his father would frequently lose his phone and would sometimes wouldn't uh, even bring it around Moselle if uh, working. He also said Murdoch uh, would often uh, shower in the summertime if he had been uh, working on the property. And uh, that question was part of the defense effort to suggest it was normal for Alec Murdoch to change his clothes frequently. Murdoch was seen in several different outfits the evening and the day that Maggie and Paul were killed. And the family's housekeeper testified after Maggie and Paul were killed that she never saw one of the shirts Mr. Alec Murdoch wore that day. So early in the testimony, Alec Murdoch's surviving son uh, said that uh, visitors to his grandmother's home would regularly park on the grass. Now, Libby Murdoch is the mother who has Alzheimer's. And Murdoch said on June 7th, 2021, the night his wife and son were killed, he was visiting his mother. Last week, the uh, prosecutors presented GPS data from Murdoch's car the night of the murders, and that data showed Murdoch's car drive into Libby's home backyard. The prosecutors highlighted the path, suggested it was unusual. During Buster's testimony, he said it wasn't uncommon for visitors to park in the back area. He said it was closer to the back entrance to the home and that the walk from the backyard to the door was about a quarter of the distance as long as if you'd actually walk to the front porch. Uh, Murdoch's defense team also revisited a video prosecutors showed early in their case which they suggested could have been a confession of guilt. Debate began after the audio was shown. Some say the video shows Murdoch telling the SLED investigators, I did them, referring to Paul and Maggie, so bad, while others believe the quote was, they did them so bad. Take a listen to this quote. You tell me what you think it says. Anyway, the prosecutors treated Buster with kid gloves, and as I was watching the comments, people thought they were going to tear old Buster up, but they didn't. They didn't. Pretty uh, got him up and out of there real quick. Now, remember, why is the reason the defense calls um, a witness like Buster to the stand? Because there are certain things that you want to be able to get into evidence that maybe the only other person that could do it would be your client. The goal is to have another witness come in and testify to what your client would testify to, without having to put your client on the stand And to be subject to cross-examination. The defense then called uh, Mike Sutton, he's a forensic engineer, to testify of his analysis of various bullet trajectory evidence at the scene where Paul and Maggie were killed. Now, Mr. Sutton currently explained a slideshow created from a photo of bullet holes in the side of the bird pen found at the Moselle Kennel Feed Room where Paul and Maggie were killed. The bullet hole Sutton analyzes came from the 300 blackout rifle the caliber used to kill Maggie. Sutton said the bullet traveled into the bird pen from outside the kennels, and Sutton said it was traveling on a three-degree upward slope, though later measurements also considered a a one-and-a-half-degree slope, which is pretty flat. Sutton said that, but uh, the bullet was traveling upwards. We'll have to wait and see. I think it's getting good, usually. Remember, the defense doesn't have to present anything, and the fact that they do come forward with evidence Sometimes it can help their case, sometimes it can hurt their case. Oftentimes from the defense perspective, less is more, but the defense may also feel compelled because they made certain promises in their opening statement, but maybe they think the prosecution um, has proven their case, so they're trying to raise that reasonable doubt. We'll have to wait and see. The defense case resumes again this afternoon and will go throughout the week. Next on the docket, Dylan Rounds. The parents of the missing man from eastern Idaho who disappeared nearly nine months ago are optimistic that there will be a break in the case soon. Now remember, Dylan Rounds, he was 20 when he went disappearing, and he was farming in the desert town of Lucen, Utah when he vanished over Memorial Day Um, and nobody has heard from him since. His bank account has not been touched, and there's been no activity on his cell phone whatsoever. Now, Chase Venstra and James Brenner, two men who interacted with Dylan in the days before he vanished, were arrested in July on felony gun crimes in Utah. They have not been charged in connection to Dylan's disappearance, but Dylan's parents believe Brenner, who was squatting on nearby property, knows what happened to their son. Investigators have said there is substantial evidence that Dylan was the victim of a homicide and his parents have spent countless hours looking for their son in this remote Utah desert. Although searches have slowed during the winter due to heavy snowfall, Cooley and uh, Justin Rounds, uh, Dylan's father, have tried to remain hopeful. They say there's information that they've learned, but they cannot share it with the public just yet. And then finally, our dumb criminal of the day. Please meet Jimmy L. Phillips. Well, he struck at least one of the police cars that were parked on Kingley's Road um, in the Lower Allen Township on January 27th at about 1.20 a.m., according to police reports. The Mitsubishi Outlander was stopped, and he was found to be intoxicated by alcohol and um, some controlled substances. He was then placed under arrest. Additionally, baggies of suspected cocaine and marijuana were seen inside the vehicle, which led to the seizure of the vehicle and a search warrant that was ultimately approved by a judge. The vehicle was then searched, and guess what? They found a stolen firearm. That's right. Our dumb criminal has been charged with the following. According to court records, possession of a firearm by a prohibited person, that's felon with a gun, receiving stolen property, controlled substances, impaired ability, first offense, Uh, DUI generally, which is impaired, and incapable of driving safely, obviously, because he hit a police car. Uh, Possession of a controlled substance. And then we have all the uh, alcohol related with that. Intentional possession of a controlled substance by a person not registered. Not exactly sure what that means other than it's probably not a uh, prescription. And then a small amount of marijuana for personal use. And let's not forget the careless driving count. So I think the rule today for our dumb criminal is, hey, if um, you're going to drive drunk, don't do it. But if you are, let's not hit a police car and let's certainly not have more drugs and an illegal firearm in your possession. Uh, Take an Uber, ladies and gentlemen. Take an Uber. At least the car wasn't stolen. At least he had that going for him. All right. That's all we have for you today please join us this evening. It is our Tuesday night live. We begin 6 p.m. Mountain Time on all of your favorite platforms. We will be joining you here, and then we'll go to our Patreon show immediately following that. So hope you have a wonderful day, not just a great day, and we'll see you next time on Crime Talk.